Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm sitting here with Maria Cooper, who... Your story blows me away, and what you do out there blows me away. She's a nutrition coach. She's like a nourishment coach, movement expert. And we first met, uh, I was one of your clients, and you taught me how to cook, how to cook healthily, how to cook paleo, um, and just how to really not just learn the technical skills, but develop a better relationship with food. And that's something that I've carried on um, since you know, the couple years we've met, and I'm so excited to you know, pull back the curtain on you a little bit, learn more about you and your history and welcome you to the show. So Maria, welcome. Welcome to From the Ashes. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's so good to see you. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode and to, to reconnecting. And for those listeners out there, we're going to be talking about nutrition, but how it impacts uh, mental health. And we're going to learn a bit about Maria's um, past, how she l- used food and not just food, but holistic care in general you know, to really stabilize herself and create a life that is quite diverse and and incredibly um, successful and inspiring. So without further ado, Maria, do you want to kick us off with your From the Ashes story? So I have always been so passionate about food and cooking. And I think a lot of this stems from cooking with my grandmother growing up. We we did a lot in her kitchen. I stayed there during the summers growing up for a couple weeks, most summers. And, you know, I cooked a lot with my mom as well. I come from a Lebanese family and there was just such passion around food. Food was always such a big deal and it still is. And, but, you know, we're not, I'm not here today so much to, to talk about my food journey because that could last all day. I, I'd love to share a bit about, my mental health path, which actually started when I was 18, on paper anyways, in 1998. And these, these two stories do, do come together later in life. Um, so when I was 18, I had just started college. It was my second semester. And um, I was hospitalized um, for three weeks in Charleston, West Virginia, where I grew up for a bipolar diagnosis. So what happened was I was in college and life was so exciting. I wasn't doing drugs or drinking or anything like that. I was actually a really clean kid in that respect. I was quite a creative. I was an acting major in college and also a musician. I played guitar and sang for a band back home. And we were in the process of making a CD, which was brand new for me and so thrilling. We were playing lots of live shows and there was so much um, creative energy. My heart just felt like it was expanding. And, um, you know, I had just left home. It was such an adventure. I was very much involved in my romantic life at the time. I had I had fallen in love with this beautiful man I had, I had met in college, and um, a lot was also happening spiritually. I, 
I had this deep desire to to go within, I would say, that had been cultivated at a younger age. Um, this this seed for yearning for a deeper truth, as well as a, a God connection. Um, I grew up involved in my in my church and youth groups and church camp and that kind of thing that was um, that had a you know had an emphasis on nature an emphasis on the beautiful mystery the unknown and I will say that I always felt so connected to a trust to a knowing a, a leaning on a wisdom of something that is you know unknown and and beautiful. And when I left home, a lot was happening happening internally. A lot was sort of speeding up within me. And things started to shift and become a little more expansive, one could say, um, because I stopped sleeping. Um, so it was my second semester my freshman year and it was February and the sleeping became less and less. And then there were a couple weeks where I pretty much didn't sleep at all. And who's to say if it was, you know, mania causing the not sleeping or not sleeping causing the mania. And it doesn't really matter, but um, things came to a head and I quit school all of a sudden. I drove home and um, you know, my mother and I, always had and still have this this connection to each other where we you know we just know like we just know when something's off and at the time my mom was a psychiatric nurse and she could she could just she just spotted what was going on she just knew it so she came home and long story short um, my parents took me to the hospital for an evaluation and I was taken in to um, the hospital. I was there for three weeks. It was difficult. It was frightening. It, I was very disoriented. Um, I was extremely resistant to being there. I was literally kicking and screaming. Um, I tried to escape. But once I was on the intense drugs that they give you and I came down from it all, um, I was fully devastated that what I thought was going on wasn't going on, um, that my grandiose thoughts weren't real, um, and that I was actually having a psychotic episode. Um, so I had felt so alive, and then all of a sudden I felt, you know, so dead inside. Um, it was like my spirit was sucked away, and my vitality was no longer present. And, you know, my family was terrified. My, my siblings uh, at the time were in higher education. I'm the youngest of my family and my family's very close. So my siblings came to see me when I was there and it was a, it was a really challenging experience for my family, but they were all incredibly supportive. They all have continued to be um, through the years and, and, um, yeah, I, when I look back onto that time, I feel so held by by them all. So the next thing that happened is I I moved home to live with my folks for a couple months, and then I I got an apartment with uh, some guys I was playing music with, and stayed in Charleston for 
a while, I think like a year and a half or so. And then I went back to college, got in a different band um, with the guy that I had fallen in love with before. And we ended up uh, touring for a while, a couple years, I think, just trying to do that professional music thing. And it was a total blast. Uh, We centered ourselves in Pittsburgh and um, it was a wild time. And then he and I both at a certain point decided that it was best that we go back to college. And we were both kind of starving for knowledge and structure and um, that sort of thing. So we went to University of Pittsburgh and I graduated with a psychology degree. And I thought that I wanted to work with mood disorders, you know, like I thought, well, I learned something, I want to do that. But as soon as I stepped into a mood disorders floor at the hospital, I got totally, uh, you know, all of those old feelings came up, the fear, that seed of fear of being hospitalized again, just came up because I really hadn't worked on my own stuff, you know. Um, I hadn't worked through what had happened um, to me, not really. And so, and so then I shifted gears completely and I went to Amsterdam for a year. I, uh, I finished college in Amsterdam, which was amazing. And then, and I traveled a whole lot. I went to 13 countries and came back and got a social work job for a while. And then I realized I am reading cookbooks front to back and I need a lighter life. Like I need something that's going to be more uplifting, you know, than um, the field of psychology or the field of social work. And, and I just didn't have what it took at the time, mainly because I hadn't worked through my own emotions of terror and shame and, and everything that had come up. Um, so I went to culinary school in Pittsburgh and, and when I graduated, Craig and I moved to Boulder and, um, and from there, I quickly found out that I had a major thyroid issue due to the, the lithium that I had been on. And, So I tried to shift gears with the medication. I got a major allergic reaction to Lamictal. And um, I had to quit my job. I had to quit my path of stressful kitchen work. And I met met beautiful Craig King, uh, a local, at the time, local natural food chef that helped me learn about organic foods healing foods. Um, we opened up together, um, Anju, which was a, a juice bar on West Pearl, which later turned into Cafe Zesta, which was a food place that I, um, created the menu for and, and helped run. And then after that, um, I really stayed on that path of, of healing foods and being so passionate about special diet needs um, gluten-free and dairy-free. And I helped open up a restaurant in Madrid, in Spain next, which also had a deep health focus. Um, 
after that, I came home and I, I came back to, to uh, Boulder and I, what did I do next? I started doing just some personal chef and catering work for a bit, but then I got hired as the executive chef for the Highlands City Club for the next 10 years. So that was in 2008. And, you know, that was sort of the best fit for me and, and such a, such a gift of a place where I could be, where I could expand my creativity as a chef, where I could experiment. And also it gave me an opportunity at the time, I would say a few years in, after I arrived there, it gave me an opportunity to experiment with coming off lithium for real this time. Mm-hmm. The problem was, was that I worked with a naturopath that um, encouraged me, I think, to come off of it a little too quickly. So that was, that was in maybe 2012, 2013, somewhere in there, I'm not sure. And I would say this was my other major episode in my life, like major other, um, other major, um, mental health bipolar episode. And it looked fully different. Um, so I came off lithium. I came off a 900 milligram lithium dose to zero milligrams of lithium in three months. That's fast. Yeah, it was. And I didn't know any better. And, um, and so it wasn't, the typical mania that I had so much fun with before (laughs) it was, um, it was extreme anxiety. It was extreme insomnia. It was, um, I'll say this isn't a dramatization. Um, it was terror for months and, but it was also another time in my life that it was like spirit watching me and giving me this opportunity because what happened is I know from personal experience that I don't shift until I suffer enough, right? And I suffered enough. And so the therapist that I had been working with for um, probably five years at the time, Shauna Susine, who has um, been so instrumental in my life, I still work with her. It's been, gosh, maybe like 12 years since I've been working with her now, Um she helped me through that. She gave me even more tools and she introduced me to Brandon Lundell, this amazing functional medicine doctor at the time um, when I got off lithium and had that anxiety response. Brandon has since helped me to restabilize and in conjunction with, um, at the time, Antonio Wood, incredible psychiatrist, um, together Antonio Wood and Dr. Lundell and Shauna, I would say were like the trifecta of um, support system for me at the time. It took me a year to restabilize and no one knew, like no one at my work knew that that was happening. I, my brain was going so fast that I had to literally like document every little thing that I did in order to stay on track in a day. But I ran a kitchen. I continued to teach dance class. I, I teach dance, by the way. You know, I continued to manage my life, but it was, it was hell every day. Yeah, that is wild to hear. And that, that story is not, it's, it's awful and it's not unique. There's so many people, right, that are just living yeah. with these invisible conditions. 
And like you said, you know, internally barely hanging on, but still, and again, you know, courageously, but, and really a lot of endurance of meeting the daily requirements of functioning and still holding the job, still connecting with people, still living your life, but having this internal anguish. What was that? What was it like to live almost a dual life or to keep that from the people in your, in your sphere? It was hard. I mean, I was with, I was still with, uh, Craig at the time, the the man that I was with for 13 years, I was still with him at the time. And um, he was incredibly supportive and, you know, right there with me, partnered with me. My family was in touch with me every day. And Shauna was there and Dr. Lindell. And the way that Dr. Lindell works as a functional medicine doctor is with the supplements, the nutraceuticals, he teaches you about meditation. He he teaches you about the importance of exercise. He has a gym by his office. You know, so there's, I felt I had such an integrated approach. Um, my work situation wasn't such that I would have shared. It wasn't right. I mean, there were certain things in life. It's just right to, I don't love the word boundaries, but, uh, you know, it's just, it was right for me to know what I need to protect around myself and what's okay to share. I had a couple friends, but um, I don't like to be an open book unless I want to be an open book. You know, sharing this with you today is brand new for me. Yeah, and yeah. And I'm in a place in my life where there's like, I told you earlier, there's a rightness to it. I don't have anything to hide now. And, um, and it actually feels transformative to share my story at this point um, with all the tools that I've gathered and everything. So, uh, but at that point um, it was just getting from day to day, but the one lesson learned from that is the only thing that's true is the present moment and how to come back inside in the present moment and having tools to do so, you know, so it was a, uh, really helpful. So, so that happened and I got through that. And unfortunately, you know, so much damage had been done during that time with the relationship that I was in. And, um, Craig and I didn't last through that. Our relationship had changed a lot. And I, I, um, and we had kind of gone different directions. 13 years is a long time to be together, but he's a, he's a gorgeous human being. And, and soon after that, um, I started to rebuild and I, I, um, my experience at the city club, it, it just broadened and grew and I loved being there and I learned so much and the community there was incredibly supportive and I was empowered over time to create a cookbook. Um, my own journey with health has also included, um, a few different autoimmune diagnoses and some other health issues. And I have been asked by this body to eat in a certain way. And um, folks have worked with along the way have asked for recipes. So I created this cookbook, Heartful Kitchen, in 2018. It was published. And um, that same year, I started doing nourishment coaching, food coaching for individuals and families, both on both um, locally and long distance on video calls. And um, 
And then I left City Club in 2019 and did that, um, you know, started doing that as my only, as my only work besides the dance teaching. So that brings us to now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right around where we met each other. Uh, we're going yeah. to our commercial break now. And I want to hear more about uh, when we get to the other side about that recovery process, about how you not only changed your, your life, but your mind and your stability and your balance. And, you know, really you're truly a poster child of uniting, you know, the mind, body, spirit connection. Mm. Um, I'm sure listeners will love to hear some of that. So if you're tuning in, uh, stay tuned with us and we'll hear more from Maria on the other side of the commercial break. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, .teachable.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm sitting here with Maria Cooper, and we just heard your really inspiring story of struggling with bipolar, um, having an early you know, psychotic episode, and then learning, like really upending the Western medicine, right? That's what I'm interested in. And there's so many, you know, I'm example of that. There's so many people on this podcast that have done that where it worked and it was very supportive. And yet what I'm hearing from your story is you found yourself needing more and wanting more, right? Of wanting that holistic connection of mind, body, and spirit in order to support yourself in a, I guess, a healthier way or more comprehensive way. And now you really give that to other people, which I think is fantastic. You've, you've learned a lot of that and you can now, um, share that with the people that are in your practice. So I'm curious if we pick it up now. Um, what are some of the practices that you use to maintain balance and stability? What, what's your relationship with your bipolar diagnosis now that you've been through these two big events you talked about in the first segment? Sure. 
So, so I will say, you know, everyone is so different. And so speaking for myself is so important. Um, and the, the drugs for me, uh, lithium especially has saved my life and continues to, and I'm so grateful for it. So, um, so just to speak to that medicine piece for now, I, I am the relationship that I have with it now is to continue to be uh, continually decreasing as much as possible mm-hmm. over time, and 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 that feels really good. Um, and it, this idea of balance that happens is it's important for me to be aware of where am I at with that? You know, where am I? Am I at a place where I can? decrease? Am I in a place where I need to be stable with it? And the tools that I've gained along the way, which you're asking about, have, have allowed me to touch into that um, knowledge in myself of, of, of am I balanced or, or not? Or what do I need to do to be more, you know, to be more in balance? And it's never like, we're in balance and we've gotten there, you know, like we always could, could make more shifts. So, so I think what's helped me the most, um, food is one because I know from before and later and now that, that when I eat, you know, when I eat protein and veggies and healthy fats and that my diet consists of those things and I stay in tune with when I'm hungry, um, and try to try to eat when I'm hungry, I do really well. Other fine tuning things too, like eating carbs before exercise, eating protein afterwards. So, so all of these little tweaks with food that I've learned along the way, which I could speak for a long time about, you know, that food really helps my body chemistry, my brain chemistry, my energy levels. Um, it's all related. You know, the brain is connected to the body, um, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but so food is a big one and continually getting more, um, education about that. I've, I've been loving, I've been loving learning more. And another, another piece for me is the supplements. Like I know that I don't have everything from food that I need. So, through the combination, through the, you know, the partnership with my doctor, I've learned more about what I need um, supplementation wise. And so that has helped me a lot along the way. Um, And then I have through movement, you know, movement and exercise, different types of exercise allows me to stay in my body. I think anytime when I feel spun out, when I feel anxious or, um, stressed, overwhelmed, anything that is off center, finding a source of movement has, has been really helpful as simple as a walk or a quick exercise class, particularly for me in the past year, um, I have been drawn to something called gyrotonics, gyrokinesis, which is, um, a form of movement that uses a lot of breath. It's, it's, um, it's something that I've been drawn to, but I, I teach dance. I teach a dance form called soul sweat here in Boulder. 
and it's dance fitness. And that allows me also to use a lot of breath. It's quite a big release. Um, it's very rhythm oriented and ecstatic and playful. And um, there's a lot of community to it. So that's been helpful. You know, getting out into nature has been really great. So in the movement arena, um, those have been big ones for me. And then, you know, the work that I have been involved with, with my therapist slash spiritual teacher, Shauna Susine, that has probably been one of the, you know, the most impactful healing support areas of my life. Um, Shauna has taught me how to use tools to get back into my body when I'm feeling unsafe. Um, she's taught me how to, uh, like lots of relationship tools. She's, she's given me some tools around journaling. Um, you know, we have sessions regularly. Uh, she's, she also teaches yoga. So sometimes in sessions we, we do some movement together if that's what, what's needed, if talking isn't so needed. Um, I find her guidance and support and deep care so nourishing. So I'm glad I've found a a teacher that, um, that can be that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so the are, the thread that some. I'm hearing in what you're saying, something that I'm continuously working on is that connection with your body mm-hmm. and with the present moment, mm-hmm. you know, and this thing of knowing what to eat based on how you feel, right. Or knowing when you have to move or knowing when you need to use some of these psychological tools that you're talking about. What does that connection like how did you develop that because that's something that is i think it's mysterious to a lot of people you know i think they hear especially health wellness practitioners talk about that yeah okay. to feel it is is something entirely different i think in order to feel it you have to feel the opposite <laughs> have experience with the opposite right so so growing up um i i struggled a lot with my body growing up i had um i felt very unsafe in my body mm-hmm around, you know, I, I started the segment with you talking about how much I loved food and cooking and I did, and all that's true, but I also struggled with body image and being a really chunky kid. And, um, I say that sweetly, but it was really tough, you know, and I was on diets a lot. And when I was in the ninth and 10th grade, yeah, between ninth and 10th grade, I actually was on the, on the verge of anorexic, like it got really bad. So I, I have struggled with that body image thing on and off through my young years. So the body wasn't a safe place to be. And when I started working and it continued through, 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 through until, until I really met Shauna, Shauna, I met Shauna when I was 30 and she has a lot of experience working with folks with um, body image stuff. And um, she has given me so many tools to, to help transform those thoughts and feelings. And, you know, they'll, they come up when they do, but she, she helps with, um, with different ways of meeting those patterns. And yeah. So I think the, I don't know if you call it somatic. I don't, I don't know a lot of therapy language, but, but um, she takes, is that right? She takes a somatic approach in yeah, like, that'd be like a body-based feeling sensation approach. 
Right. Like she might do, sometimes we'll do tapping or sometimes we'll do, you know, if I'm just talking, 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 she might say to me, okay, let's just pause and come back into our breath and feel your feet on the ground. And, um, and it's so helpful just to realign. And so in all the years I've been working with her, I find that I start to do that on my own. And to, and, you know, years ago, I've cultivated a morning practice where I'm um, breathing and sometimes journaling and slowing down enough to meet my day because it is my habitual pattern to think a lot and to, and to, you know, go pretty fast. And so I have to consciously come back and come back into the body and slow down in order to meet the next moment. And it's like a rewiring and it's helpful. The thing that stands out for me, and I'm curious if this was true for you, is like the more I get into my body, especially in the beginning, the first thing I encounter is pain, Mm. right? It doesn't feel good. It's it's pain. It's, you know, when you think about thoughts, I think you mentioned terror before. I mean, I remember early in my uh, therapy, realizing how afraid I was all the time. Like just fear all the time. And for many people, myself included, that can be a real barrier to becoming embodied because it's not fun, right? It's not pleasurable. It's not calming. It's often like opening up Pandora's box and just seeing hurt and pain and and in many ways like a a broken system that needs Mm. to get repaired. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Amen. (laughs) I feel that too. And I don't, uh, I mean, my experience with all that is um, that I had so, I have had and continue to have so many moments like that. And then I get to start again. Or it's like, okay, I'm going to take my practice on a walk today. Mm-hmm. And, or I'm going to go dance and then I'm going to try again later. Or I'm going to try again tomorrow or it, you know, I, I really have to be gentle with myself with this process because what you're talking about, man, do I relate to that? Yeah. Especially during that year that I told you about that was, that was so hard because I wanted to be anywhere, but in this being. Right. You just want to jump away from it, Mm. right. To distract or throw your mind at something else. It's so common. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of us um, reach for drugs and alcohol or the other food or, you know, excessive (laughs) sex or whatever it is, you know. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. What what kept you or what keeps you, I guess, coming back to the present moment or coming back to your body? (sighs) Where does that perseverance come from? No, I think it's just I know that everything else – um, completely screws me up. So my health is, um, is such that if I'm not diligent about my, how I treat my body, then I, I can get pretty sick. So that's a blessing and a curse. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's like, you know, what's on the other side. Yeah. And for you, you know, yeah, for better or for worse, it can get bad quickly. So it sounds like you do get those messages when you're starting to go off the rails a little bit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, And I, 
because I work for myself now, um, you know, I have my own business. I get to design my days as I do. So, so I'm really enjoying my life. Like I, I love, I love my days. So that's kind of nice um, to be able to, you know, to, to dive into the areas that, that are uplifting. And a lot of those areas involve physical movement. You know, when I'm coaching people in person, we're, we're running around their kitchen and we're cooking. And sometimes I'm taking walks with clients to talk and, you know, I try to move as much as I can in a day. So it just all seems to, seems to work out. And then there's days when it's way too much and I crash and, um, I try not to, I try to keep in mind, you know, something that Shauna has, has talked to me about over the years is she uses a mantra and that is, I am not my body. And so when the body is struggling just to say like, I am not my body, I'm so much more than my body when it's having a hard time. Is it a way not to take it so personally or not to kind of fall into that despair? Yes. Yeah. I find that so common when working with people around, yeah, physical issues or mental health issues of thinking that it's all consuming and thinking that it means it brings people shame online, right? That there's something fundamentally wrong with them or that they're broken beyond repair or that, you know, they're unlovable. It, it hits, it can go deep. These roots can really, really deep for people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's easy, even if you, you strengthen and you get beyond that, like the next time something comes up, it may come, you know, it may come back to that, to that intense degree. Um, and so having tools and reminders and writing yourself cue cards and things like that, I find really supportive. Yeah. So as we move into this break, when we get on the other side, we're going to talk more about that. I want to hear more about your practice, about what you do with your coaching clients. Um, maybe there's a tool or two you can give to some of our listeners that might be helpful in developing this connection and seeking more balance and seeking more nourishment in their lives. Uh, So for those of you listening, if you're enjoying our podcast, um, sharing it with your friends is really helpful, like you on Facebook, social media, sharing on Instagram, you know, doing all the social stuff uh, really helps to get the message out. And when we come back on the other side, you'll get some practical tools on how to bring more nourishment into your life from Maria. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C, dash, azulay, 
A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y dot teachable dot com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to our final segment um, of From the Ashes. I'm here with Maria Cooper, nourishment coach, movement expert, and just all around, just in tune individual. I've been <laughs> reflecting of just how calm your voice has been and how just kind of like soothing it's been to listen to you, really. I mean, I said it during the break, but I wanted to put that on the air too. And just, you know, the, you talk so much about being balanced, being in tune, being in community. And we were talking about what we can give the listeners over the break. And you brought this idea, which I think is fantastic, of as we're moving into fall, moving into cold weather, you know, the impulse, I know I feel it, is just to eat nothing but comfort junk food, right? To eat like the macaroni and cheese or the baked potatoes or just like, you know, as much carbs and cheese and cream as possible. And even though I crave that, I know for me personally, I just crash. You know, I'm lactose intolerant and my body doesn't process carbs that well to begin with. Um, I just crash really hard. And I think a lot of people have a similar thing where in this time they end up with unintentional weight gain or emotional eating or, you know, just like some level of destabilization when they're not eating lighter food. So what are your, what are your thoughts around how do you strategize when seasons change, when it becomes a little colder out there? Yeah, I think a lot of folks, what I'm finding with my clients during this time is that um, people are wanting to institute a lot of rules and diets and restrictions and boundaries around their, um, around their eating. And there are ways to eat healthy um, and really enjoy the food as well. And I think sugar starts to be a big one this time of the year, right? And so some folks, because we, you know, we get in, we're like, starting to get into Halloween and then we get into Thanksgiving and then we get into the, the holidays. And so instead of, um, you know, especially here in Boulder, because people can be so hardcore around health and bodies and things like that. So, um, instead of shutting the door around, around certain food groups, because for some reason people feel safe when they say, absolutely not to certain food groups, or let me do things in a certain time restriction, or uh, lately people just feel safer when they do that. So I invite folks instead to fall in love with food again, right? To just dive into food, um, but food that is nutrient rich rather than you know, lacking and empty. Um, and so we can so often want to push certain foods away, like certain food groups, but instead there's so much that we can bring in that, um, has deep nutrients. So like apples right now, right? Like apples have so, so many vitamins and they have fiber and they're yummy and they have a natural, natural nature sweetness to them. And we can, 
we can bake them. We don't have to add extra sugar. We can just add delicious spices and we can, you know, we can bake them. We don't even need to add oil. We can just add a little lemon juice and toss them around with cinnamon and freshly grated nutmeg and some orange zest or some lemon zest. And man, are they ever delicious. I do that all the time at home. And and if we eat them and enjoy them and slow down enough, and then the whole house just resonates with this incredible smell and you make yourself a great cup of chai or a, you know, a great cup of green tea or Mark, I know that you have like the best teas ever at your house. <laughs> I, do. I do. I do a good cup of tea for sure. So yeah. something like that, like when we get our natural sweetness from food, another idea is, is, um, carbohydrate rich vegetables that also have nutrients to them like butternut squash, you know, like uh, sweet potatoes. I mean, I don't know if you guys have tried those Japanese sweet potatoes, but they're so good. So, so when we get our natural sugars from vegetables, I mean, we are really getting something, you know, we're getting the sweetness. And so we're kind of scratching that itch and we're getting the natural carbohydrates that turn our brain on, that turn our bodies on, um, and that let us go run and play and smile and make love and do all the things that we love to do. Um, so, you know, I invite you to eat carbs and do so in a way that, you know, is yummy and from fruits and vegetables. And I know that a one size approach doesn't fit all, but, um, you know, certain people really need to restrict their carbs and I get that, but, you know, another couple ideas for seasonal yumminess and decadent factor. Um, I have this recipe for cashew cream in my cookbook. Mark, I don't know if we made that together. Did we make that together? I don't think we made that, but I've made it since. I pulled it oh, okay. from the cookbook. Yeah. It's yum. Yeah, and it's, it's really good. It's, just, it's really yeah. good. I mean, you can just Super like, easy to make. Yeah. And it's like cream sauce. Mm. And you can, um, you know, pick up a, you know, go to a local grocery store, pick up an organic rotisserie chicken, pull it, dip it in the cashew cream and steam some kale and dinner's made. And it's like two seconds, you know, a lot of what I like to, to encourage people to do is to find simple ways of preparing meals that are easy and doable. And you can make several meals at a time for the week, set yourself up for success and put the food in the fridge. And so then when you come home and you're hungry, you have things to reach for that are delicious, satisfying, decadent. You feel special. You can make yourself a, a beautiful plate of food. And yeah, so those are a couple ideas. Yeah, I think the ease is really critical. I love that you bring that to your clients because, you know, we share a couple of clients and they really struggle with just how busy their life is, right? I mean, yeah. you, you've touched on it when you were talking about boulders. Yeah, it's super intense around health and fitness, but also super intense around work and performance. I mean, we are in like a really crazy area here. So many people that may be listening, it's like, when do I have time? It's like, I'm going to have to learn how to cook now on top of everything else. You mm -hmm. know, I'm ready. I'm like running a company or I like, you know, leading a team or whatever. I don't have time. I have, I have kids, right? I, I don't have time to learn these things. But I think what you do is you make these things very accessible and um, sustainable. Right. I remember when we worked together, you were like, why, you know, roast one tray vegetables? You can just roast like four, you know, and, <laughs> and then you like filled up my oven with different vegetable trays of things that are roasting. You're like, look, now you're done for the week. And that was just mind blowing in some ways. Right. And people want to be um, 
people want to have a PhD day one, right? So it's kind of nice to look at, all right, let's just, let's just look at right now. Let's look for a plan for this week and make this week happen. And we can, you know, it's going to take you 75 minutes to, or however much time you have. And it could be a process of, you know, a combination of purchased food and freshly made food. Like there's no wrong way to do something. I've worked with clients where most of what they end up nourishing themselves with is actually a combination of purchased things just because that's what's going to work for them. It's it's meeting people where they are and it's really important, but trying to get the most nutrients in as possible for where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, how do you recommend people go about finding nutrient dense food? You know, how do they kind of cut through whatever the current fad is or whatever, like the most popular, like, you know, superfood is and find the stuff that works for them? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's very um, individual, I would say, um, because a lot of people have people are fussy in the Western world. Right. They, you know, certain people won't eat certain things and um, certain people definitely are allergic to certain things. But in general, Protein, veggies, healthy fat are nutrient dense. And um, we don't need a whole lot of fat. Like we don't need tons of fat. Um, Eating loads of vegetables, like 75% of our diet being being veggies would be incredible. And that's really tough to do. Eating organic, you know, that's hugely important. Eating as local to where you are, that's another way to get more nutrient dense. Yeah, that's the short answer. Okay. Yeah, I think it's really critical because it's easy to get a lot of empty calories, right? Like a bag of chips yes. or, you know, takeout right. food or, or grain-based. I know you've kind of been talking around it, but, you know, like grain-based carbs, right? Those breads, those pastas, those rices. I mean, they're so sure. common in, in cooking. Yeah, we definitely don't need those. And it's helpful for many people to not have strict rules around what they eat, right? So, um we don't, we certainly don't need grains and breads and pastas. We don't need them to subsist, but, um, but sometimes it's hard for folks to have their whole diet be unprocessed foods. And, and so you do the best you can. It's nice to educate people about this stuff and then, and then have them do the best that they can, but it takes a while. It takes a while to make the shift from, um, eating a lot of processed foods to eating from scratch foods, right? So to, to do what you can and to be gentle with yourself and also to be in tune with yourself, to notice what's, what's helping me, what's making me feel more vital, what's turning my brain on, what feels good in my gut, um, that is, is a great thing. We have the rest of our lives to live with, with our food, with our food that we consume. So why not have it be this organic unfolding of a process rather than let me do this diet tomorrow? Um, yeah, because what I talk about is not a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a passion to, to live, to do what we love. I mean, if we could eat to live, you know, to really live rather than live to eat, 
That's really something. But there are ways to make food extremely delicious as well and have them be, you know, also really nutritious. Yeah, I love the way that you're talking about a real, like, respect for food, like respect for the ingredients and respect for the process and respect for the body that it goes into. Mm. Um, And not just, yeah, consuming for sake consuming or for, you know, that quick sugar hit. I mean, that's been my issue with it has been as someone who loves food, you know, I love cooking shows. I love engaging with food. I think I cook pretty healthily, you know, a lot inspired by you, quite frankly, but I can still eat a lot. You know, I can, I still like eating. Um, And I'll push past that moment to get to that full feeling and whether that's, you know, emotional driven or, Maybe I'm feeling particularly lonely that night or I'm feeling disconnected or I'm not in touch with the aftermath, right? Where it's like I have two hours just being like, oh, on the on the uh, couch. Um, quickly as we're wrapping up, what do you say for someone like that who is mm. who's maybe more of a binge eater or an emotional eater? How would you help yeah. that person? Well, it depends on the person, I would say. But, um, you know, I... I am, I am one who believes that comforting with food is a great thing. (laughs) (laughs) And and so, um, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm a, I'm a food coach, but in that same vein, having foods at the house that you can grab at night when you are feeling that feeling, um, that's a really healthy thing. Yeah. So like the, like the baked apple thing, like, um, fruit is a good one if it works for you. Um, you know, if you struggle with night eating, having healthier options around rather than having nothing and I'm just going to have nothing around, um, unless that's what you need to do to create some boundaries for yourself. Like I would understand that for certain folks, but there are loads of, of delicious, nourishing foods that people can have that are snack foods that are sweet foods but um but that are also nutrient rich foods so yeah that's what i would invite i mean there's like a i don't know if you and i ever did this but like a vegan chocolate soup recipe that we could make into truffles and you have one and you don't need another one because they're so rich so that's fantastic it's like really stacking your deck ahead of time so when you hit those moments you are uh you're good to go well as we're wrapping up our show here, Maria, can you tell people um, where to get a hold of you, website, email, how people might contact you if they want to learn more about you, your cookbook, um, and work with you as a coach? Of course. ChefMariaCooper.com is how you can find all those things. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so it's fantastic. And we'll be in touch about future episodes and about uh, helping me learn how to not binge eat as much. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Thanks for joining us. And for those listening out there, we'll catch you next week on another episode of From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.